0: Jesus Christ. Our text today is going to be taken from the book of Revelation for this Reformation Sunday. You may be seated. We begin with the word of prayer. Almighty God, we give you thanks this day for the preaching of your word, the good news of our forgiveness, life, and salvation. Lord, we pray that this eternal gospel would always reside in our ears and our hearts until the day we see your son Jesus face to face. But Lord, we pray today that you would sustain us in this faith and always have us to hear your word. Now, O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, as we've mentioned numerous times now, is Reformation Sunday, and this is the Sunday when we in the Lutheran Church and many other Protestant churches throughout the world uh, commemorate that wonderful and terrible era in the history of the world in which the preaching of God's word fought back against those who sought to silence it. This is always, of course, the work of the Holy Spirit in this world, as we know. Uh, The work of the Spirit is to fight against anything that would seek to take our trust away from Jesus Christ, and then to replace it with Jesus Christ himself. This is what the Spirit does. He brings us Jesus. Now, the Reformation was the era in which this sort of battle for the preaching of Jesus was on center stage in the Western world. And God had raised up a man like Martin Luther, a German monk, and many other uh, reformers at that time to use as his weapons in this battle of preaching. Now, as we talk about the Reformation today, we have to recognize that we as Lutherans kind of have a problem with all of this. For you see, we tend to idealize the Reformation era and we tend to idolize Martin Luther himself. Let me give you an example. Today, our Old Testament reading was replaced by a reading from the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 14. And do you know why we replaced it with Revelation 14? Because that is the text that was preached by Pastor John Bugenhagen at the funeral sermon of Martin Luther. And this is what Bugenhagen said in the sermon. He said the angel in the text who cried, fear God and give him honor was Martin Luther. Now, you know you are bordering on idolatry. When you begin identifying your heroes with the angels in the Bible, okay? Nonetheless, he's on to something. Because the message that the angel proclaimed, this eternal gospel, this message that Martin Luther and the reformers recovered, and this gospel, this eternal gospel which you hear today, this message is not mine, and it's not Luther's, and it's not the angel's, it is Christ. And all of us who are in Christ proclaim and believe this good news. Luther came along in a time when the preaching of that gospel had been silenced in the church. And so what the reformers did was they recovered, as St. Paul says in the book of 1 Corinthians, they recovered that which was of first importance. And they began to preach that which was of first importance. That Jesus Christ was crucified for your sins. And was raised again on the third day for your justification. He now reigns over you in grace and mercy and he will come again to take you to be with him forever. All of this Jesus Christ has done for you. And this is the gospel. This is the eternal gospel that we celebrate today. This is the good news. When the people in the 16th century, in that medieval era, when they heard this good news, it was to them like hearing the voice of an angel sing. It was like rains being poured out on a parched and dry land. It was like light in the darkness. The song of the angels. A song and a sound that I fear we have all but tuned out in our day. For you see, I think the people in the medieval era have a significant advantage over you and I in this modern era. Back in the 16th century, you know, they used to actually believe in God. They actually believed God was their judge, and that he was coming back to judge. And so they feared God. And we don't believe like this anymore at all in our day and age people don't believe in god very much and if they do believe in god at all they believe in a sort of tame version of god or they sort of make god out to be sort of someone who's really you know nice and could there be a more insulting way of referring to god than nice The one who created the heavens and the earth, who who commands the myriads of angels and causes the demons to tremble. The one whose glorious presence has no way to abide with sin. Nice? No. Our problem in our day and age is we think far too lightly about God if we think of him at all. Just because our opinions about God in this day and age have changed, do not change the fact that our God is still the God who will come to judge. Who is a wrathful and angry God at sin and sinners. Who judges not just actions, but hearts, which is far worse news than we could possibly imagine. Because all of those excuses that you and I use to justify our actions, All of those fingers that we point to blame others for our own sins, God knows and sees all of that as nonsense. He sees your hearts. And what he finds there, apart from Christ, is only sin and corruption. And this is a terrifying thing to realize. And perhaps even more terrifying to realize when we figure out the fact that, as I just said, just because we've tried to make God tame and nice doesn't mean He is so. And the reality is, this world will come to an end. As Jim, that was a great children's message today. As Jim said in the children's message, this place, it's going to come to an end when God comes to judge all things. This is the message that the angel preached today. Fear God and give Him glory because the hour of judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth and the sea and the springs of water the judge and creator of all things is coming to judge those who have transgressed his laws and damaged his creation don't think that it doesn't include you now when we hear this news that god is coming to judge the first move we tend to make at this point is to run away to flee from God, to try and hide from God, to maybe hide from this wrath so that it does not find us. But the stark reality is you cannot hide from God. The psalmist says it this way, if I ascend into the heavens, you are there, and if I make my bed in Sheol, that is in the depths of hell, you are there. You cannot hide from the hour of judgment. And the clock is ticking. So when we realize we can't hide, the next move we we try to make is we try to justify ourselves. We embark on what we might call our own little justification projects. We start to build little idols that we can try and hide behind, another form of hiding here, so that when God's wrath comes, it doesn't hit us. In other words, we're trying to prove to God that we don't deserve a negative judgment. We're trying to prove to God that we deserve a place in his kingdom. And so we set forth on these projects and we begin to build all kinds of things we can offer God and hide behind. Some of our projects look a little more religious. We start attending church more, going to Bible study more, saying our prayers in order to earn this righteousness from God. Now don't get me wrong. You should go to church. You should go to Bible study. You should pray more. But if you think those things are earning God's love for you, you are fooling yourself. Maybe we decide to go the moral route, and we say, listen, I'm not going to sin like all those other sinners out there. I'll stop watching the R-rated Netflix series, at least the bad ones, you know, like those sinners, and I'll vote for the right people, and I'll, I'll pick God's candidate, and I'll protest all the right cultural sins, and I'll help little old ladies cross the street, and perhaps then I will appease God's judgment. So we find ourselves trusting these little projects we build, and we do try and use them. Sort of buy God off. Now, buy God off might seem like a crass way of saying it, and would almost seem absurd, but this whole justification project business is quite lucrative, as it turns out. And the church in Luther's day had figured this out. The world, the end of the world, the coming judgment, all of this is terrifying and everybody's looking for a way to get out of the judgment. And so the church came along and said, well, listen, here's what we'll do. We're God's representatives in the world, so here's how this is going to work. You come to us and you tell us all your sins and then we'll tell you how much you have to give, how much you have to do, and how much you have to pay to get rid of your sins. We'll help you by your justification. We will justify you before God. You got a loved one suffering in purgatory? That's nothing. An increased tithe won't help, you see. And so suddenly now, we're buying God off in this justification project. And in the Reformation era, when this was being taught, the church was standing in the way of Jesus. And this was a hard thing because the church was controlling the culture in our day and age the church no longer controls the culture i don't know if that's news to you but it's true what controls the culture now the market and the market knows that justification still sells so we are sold righteousness everywhere you want to be the right kind of parent We'll, send, we'll sell you the right kind of parenting books. You want to be the right kind of uh, family? We'll sell, uh, sell you the perfect family vacation so that you look, it might cost you an arm and a leg, but hey, you'll be justified in the eyes of your children. That, that one does not hit close to home to me. Uh, you want to have the righteous, right kind of business? Come to our business practice conference. You want to justify yourself with your health? We've got the dietary program and the exercise plan for you. Self-improvement programs are everywhere, and all of these are efforts to justify ourselves to ourselves. We feel guilty and ashamed about all kinds of things and are always trying to buy this stuff off. I was listening to a couple of buddies of mine who have a podcast, and they were talking the other day about how this is working in the environmentalism movement, and they'll say something like this. You fly on an airplane, and you're made to feel guilty for how flying on that airplane is going to destroy the environment. So you know what you do uh, to take care of this? You buy an indulgence, or what we would call a carbon credit. You fly in a plane, you pay someone $100, they plant a tree, and now you're once again righteous in your own eyes. Justification by works without God. And you see, this is exactly the problem. At least in in the Reformation, the justification projects had to do with the one true God. In our day and age, Our justification projects have to do with the new God. The God of ourself. And that is why we should be quite frightened that Judgment Day is coming. Because we live in a day where we have made ourselves to be gods. And our entire existence, it would seem, is a breaking of the first commandment. Have no other gods. And the hour of judgment looms large. This is the message that we are told today. This is the message that they were hearing in the 16th century, and it is into this world the angels start singing. For now we have a righteousness, apart, a justification, apart from this judgment and this law. A righteousness according to what we hear today, the eternal gospel. Gospel, which means literally good news, And though the coming judgment to us is hardly good news, the hour of judgment could not possibly be gospel but law until Jesus Christ puts himself into the mix. And this is what the angels sing about, and this is what Luther and the reformers recovered, and this is what you are hearing now today in your own ears. That God is not giving you some program or some way to buy him off. God is not giving you some process you have to go through in order to be righteous in his sight. Instead, he's giving you his son, Jesus Christ. And when you have Jesus Christ, you know this good news. That the judgment hour is not coming for you, but the hour, as the angel says today, has come. It has come already. Your judgment has already taken place. The hour has already arrived. 2,000 years ago, on a hill outside of Jerusalem, the hour of judgment for your sins came, but it didn't hit you. It got Jesus. The Father sent his Son, and Jesus Christ saw that wrath coming for you. He saw God's anger towards your sin, and he stood up, and he grabbed it, and he took it away from you, and he carried it to a cross. Were there he bled and he died and he suffered for your sins so that when you were baptized you were united to him in that death and you are justified before God. You are declared righteous through the work of Jesus Christ for you. Jesus died on that cross and your justification projects were shattered and your sins were forgiven. And the God of justice Became your God of mercy. And that is what we celebrate today. This gospel that proclaims this good news. You are righteous apart from the law. You are righteous because Jesus Christ died for you. You are forgiven. And God's wrath is swallowed up in the merciful death of Jesus Christ. All for free. All for you. The hour of judgment has now passed. And the eternal gospel resides in your ears and your hearts through faith alone so that you need not fear the great and terrible day of the Lord. Because you've already been judged in Jesus Christ. You don't have to run and hide. You don't don't have to try and hide behind your religiosity or your works because your life is hidden in Christ. And there is now no wrath of God left for you. For you see... Ours is not a nice God who is impressed by our justification projects. He is the Father who sent His Son into this world. Jesus, who willingly came to suffer and die in your place, who is now risen and reigns over you, and from His throne sends you the Spirit, who brings you forgiveness, life, and salvation, and will carry you into life everlasting. Ours is not a nice God, but he is the God who mercifully justifies you for Christ's sake. So today we rejoice, and eternally we rejoice. For the hour of judgment has passed for you, and this gospel is eternal. So that now you and I can finally and eternally sing with the angels. Amen. Let us pray. Merciful Father, Have mercy upon us. Lord, teach us to repent of our sins, to turn them over to Jesus, and to receive this good news, forgiveness, life, and salvation for his sake alone. Forgive us, Lord, for not trusting this promise, and forgive us for seeking to justify ourselves before you. And teach us now, Lord, to live in this freedom from judgment. We ask this in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Have you heard the word of our Lord? I invite you to please rise as we confess our